you have your Bibles this morning, I want to open to Luke chapter 2. We're going to look there today. Did you ever hear about the little boy? He, he loved going to church. He enjoyed the music and the scripture and the creeds and the sermons and the fellowship. Uh, the only part of church he didn't like were those long pastoral prayers. He really liked his minister, but his minister prayed these long, long prayers. And sometimes it seemed to the boy that these prayers would just never end. Well, then one Sunday, the parents of this little boy invited their minister over for lunch at the house. And would you believe it? His mom asked the minister to pray the prayer of thanksgiving before the meal. And the little boy thought to himself, oh man, we will never get to eat. I am starving and he is going to pray forever. But to his surprise, the minister's prayer was brief and to the point. And here was his prayer. Oh Lord, bless this home, bless this food, and use us in your service. In Jesus' name, amen. The little boy was so astonished by the minister's prayer, he couldn't help himself. And he looked at the minister and he blurted out what he was thinking. He said, man, you don't mess around when you're hungry. <laughs> See, this morning, I don't want to mess around. On this Sunday before Christmas, I don't want to mess around because I know that whether we realize it or not, we are all hungry. We are hungry for God. We are hungry for our Savior we are hungry for Christmas. Because you see, that is precisely what Christmas is all about. We need a Savior. In fact, we are starved for a Savior. And Christmas tells us that a Savior is given. Listen to our scripture, Luke 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. Jesus was born. Now the name Jesus literally means the Lord is salvation or Yahweh saves or Savior. See, Jesus came at this time at Christmas to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He came to be our Savior. He came to save us from our sin. Some years ago, there was a woman named Karen, and she became a missionary. And she was a well-trained nurse, so she was sent to serve in a Methodist mission hospital in a remote corner of Africa. And she loved her work. She knew God had called her to this special healing ministry. She felt incredibly fulfilled in bringing this love and medical care to the people of this impoverished region. But as Christmas approached, her thoughts turned toward home. Christmas was always a wonderful time for her family. They would go to church on Christmas Eve and then open presents all together Christmas morning. Well, what could she send them? She wouldn't be able to go home for Christmas that year, so she would have to send her presents by mail. But what to send? She had very little money. She had no place to shop. Mailing a bunch of large presents was just 
out of the question. But then she knew what she would do. A few days later, a small box arrived at the front door of her parents' home. And her mom found it with the postmark from Africa. And she knew it contained Christmas presents from Karen. And then the outside of the box were written in bold print. Please open on Christmas morning with the whole family. So Christmas morning, after all the other presents were exchanged, her mom opened Karen's box. And she found all these envelopes. One was for Karen's dad, one for her mom, one for her sister, one for her brother-in-law, one for her niece, one for her nephew. And he opened the envelopes, and at first they were kind of surprised because each envelope had this small piece of poster paper, and they had been cut into funny shapes. And then they realized it was a homemade jigsaw puzzle, and each family member had a piece. So quickly they went to the table and they put the pieces together. And when the last piece went into place, they realized they put together a heart. And on this homemade poster paper, on this heart, were inscribed these words from Karen. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give to you. I give you my heart. So you realize that's exactly what God did for us that first Christmas. God sent us his heart. He sent us his only son into this world to save us. He sent his son to redeem us. He sent his son to turn our lives around. God sent us his heart to show us how much he loves us. And also to show us how much he wants us to love one another. God sent his only son into the world to be our savior. But what does he save us from? Of course, he saves us from our sin. We know that, right? But especially at this time of year, can I mention a few other things that that he saves us from? Because first, Christ saves us from disillusionment. You know, outside of Scripture, probably the most famous Christmas story ever is A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Now, what do you remember about that story? I'm sure most of us remember it's a story of a gruff, miserly character, Ebenezer Scrooge. Right? And we remember there was this little crippled boy in the story, Tiny Tim, who was the opposite of Scrooge. Right? He was most always happy, always singing, God bless us, everyone. We remember that much. But if we look closer, we see it's a story about a conversion. And boy, did Scrooge need converting. I mean, he was selfish, arrogant, greedy, hard-hearted, mean-spirited, uncaring, unsympathetic, unchristian, and a tightwad. I mean, his famous response to Christmas, bah humbug, that's become the sad symbol of such disillusioned spirits. Well, the story unfolds, and we know Ebenezer Scrooge is visited by three ghosts who subject him to these hauntings like few characters in fiction ever have experienced. Scared out of his wits, he's forced to see himself as he really is. And the visit of the ghosts and the Christ-like unconditional love of the Cratchit family who keeps loving him even though he treats them horribly. These two things combine to convert Ebenezer Scrooge, and now he has a second chance. And he changes. He loves Christmas. He gets into the spirit of the season. He sends presents to the Cratchits and a large amount of money to charity. He then dresses up and goes to his nephew's house for Christmas dinner, and he announces that, of all things, he's giving his clerk, Bob Cratchit, a big raise. I mean, talk about conversion. Talk about life redeemed and saved. It's all about a life turned around. 
Now, why are we so fascinated with this story? Well, it's not just because it's a well-written classic piece of literature. No, there's something more here. You see, the truth is, that is our story. Deep down inside, deeper than some of us even realize, we can all relate to Ebenezer Scrooge. That is to say, we all need help. We all have clay feet. We all need to face up to ourselves. We need to be converted from selfishness to love. Or maybe to put it more dramatically, we need a Savior. And that is the good news of Christmas. That is the good news that we celebrate. 2,000 years ago, God looked down on this sick, disillusioned, Scrooge-like spirit of the world, and he knew that was not going to work. And the only way to fix it was to send his son to save us, to change us, to show us that there is a better way. And so Christ came, and he came to change us from greedy, selfish, disillusioned people into generous, loving, gracious servants. Christ saves us from disillusionment. Christ also saves us from defeat. In 1939, there was a man, Robert May, and he worked in the publicity department for the Montgomery Ward stores. And he was asked for publicity and marketing purposes to come up with a new story for Christmas. So he mixed up two, the story of Santa Claus and the story of the Ugly Duckling, and he created this new story, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. The Rudolph story quickly caught on over the next few years. Montgomery Ward actually distributed over 6 million coloring books telling the story of Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. Robert May's story became so popular that 10 years later, Mr. May's brother-in-law, Johnny Marks, wrote a song about it. Gene Autry recorded it. And the rest, as they say, is history. Now, you know why we love Rudolph so much? I mean, not just because it's a cute, child-friendly story, not, not just because the song has some neat words and a catchy tune. No, we like this story because it's all about rising from defeat. It's about turning your handicap into an advantage, turning defeat into victory. I mean, you remember early on, like the ugly duckling before him, Rudolph was despised, rejected, he was teased and taunted, all because of his red nose. But then in the end, with outside help, he becomes the hero and he saves the day with his nose so bright. Let me remind you of another Rudolph, Wilma Rudolph. She became the first American woman to win three gold medals in track in the Olympics and along the way sent a number of female world running records. And a remarkable achievement, even more amazing, because you see, for the first one-third of her life, she couldn't even walk. Her left leg was paralyzed. Now, the doctors were not encouraging at all. They told her family she would never be able to walk without the aid of these heavy braces. But her mother refused to accept the diagnosis. She began to pray daily, asking God to bring strength to Wilma's weak legs. And she began to massage and exercise her weak leg when she was four years old, determined to help her little girl walk. She also trained their older brothers and sisters how to massage and rub and exercise Wilma's weak left leg. Four times a day, every day, for almost five years, family members took turns working with Wilma. And more times than that every day, they prayed for her. Well, finally, she got better. 
She got a brace for her leg. Then she progressed to this heavy high-top shoe. And one day, Wilma was about nine, and her mom looked out to see her daughter running, jumping, and playing basketball. And she was barefoot. She went on to become the fastest woman in the world because she and her family refused to quit when life dealt them a hard blow. They were people of faith. They refused to accept defeat. And you remember that verse in Paul's letter to the Philippians? In Philippians 4.13, he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I like the way one seminary professor paraphrased it. He said it means bring it on. I'm ready for anything, for Christ is my strength. I like that. Bring it on. I'm ready for anything because Christ is my strength. See, when Christ came into the world as a baby born in a stable, he came to a world where many people fell down and out and defeated. And he came to show them. And he came to show us that he will always be with us. And that he can lift us out of anything that threatens to defeat us. I mean, he showed us that in a manger. And then he showed us that on the cross. His love is the most powerful thing in this world. That if we believe in him, that if we trust in him, that if we surrender our lives to him, nothing can defeat us. I mean, Christmas comes around every year and it reminds us of that. Christ saves us from disillusionment. He saves us from defeat. And Christ even saves us from death. I mean, the scripture reminds us nothing, nothing, not even death can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can separate us from his love. Jim Harnish is the pastor of the Hyde Park United Methodist Church in Tampa, Florida. He wrote a book called All I Want for Christmas. And he tells about a member of his staff, V. Choate. She was the church wedding coordinator. And he called her a first-class joy bringer. She could just light up a room. She, she loved Christmas, and she knew how to keep Christmas well. She did it with the same military precision that she used in her job as wedding coordinator. How she would get the bridesmaids to stand up straight and groomsmen to spit out their gum and wedding photographers to obey the church rules. That's how she decorated for Christmas. Every box of her decorations were numbered and labeled. She even had photographs of the decorations so she could remember precisely how things had been done the year before. It took a full week, but by Thanksgiving, her home, her office, her wardrobe, and even her dogs were decorated for Christmas. She kept Christmas with beauty and love and grace. She kept it by giving gifts and throwing a big party, and she did it all and made it look so easy. And when people thought of V, the word that came to mind was celebration. She celebrated life and love and friendship and faith and drew others into that celebration. Most of all, she celebrated Christmas with music. She loved all kinds of music. Her pastor said, beneath it all, V knew how to keep Christmas because she knew the Christ who was born in Bethlehem had been born in her life. And the result was the love and grace of God that became flesh in Bethlehem became flesh among us in our relationship with V. And then December 10, 2001, a car accident took the life of V. Choate. So full of life, so full of Christmas and 
suddenly so gone. At a memorial service, uh, Jim said this, some of us might be tempted to say Christmas will almost be unbearable because of V's death. But the deeper truth is, V's death would be unbearable if not for Christmas. A year later, her husband wrote a devotional for the church's Advent booklet, and he said this, December 10, 2001, the greatest joy in my life was snuffed out. And he talked about how he struggled to find a way to face Christmas without her. He began asking God and V what to do. And the answer came. Do what you always do. Go to church, sing in the Messiah, attend Bible study, stay close to friends and family, and don't forget to decorate. He said, by doing what I believe V and God wanted me to do, I found I could still sing joy to the world and be thrilled by the hallelujah chorus. He ended it this way. The nights are still lonely and some days are longer than others, but God is with me and I've been able to find joy. See, do you know that kind of joy? I mean, do you? It's that joy that comes from knowing Christ as your Savior and Lord. It's the joy that no matter what happens, Christ will be with us. He will deliver us. Because He has the power to save us from disillusionment, to save us from defeat. Most importantly, He has the power to save us from death. Harry Belafonte, Harry Belafonte recorded a Christmas carol years ago. It says it all. It says, long time ago in Bethlehem does the Holy Bible say, Mary's boy child Jesus Christ was born on Christmas Day. Hark now hear the angels sing a new king born today and we shall live forevermore because of Christmas Day. Hark now hear the angels sing a new king born today. We shall live forevermore. Because of Christmas Day. We shall live eternally because of Christmas Day. So as we close, can I just ask you, do you have Jesus as your Savior this Christmas? Today? Or is that something you need right now? If you need Him as your Savior, come. Come up after service and talk to me. Stop by this week. Call me. Visit with me. Let me share with you about making Christ, your Savior. There's no greater decision you will make than that. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for sending him to us. It is because of Christ that we can change. Because you showed us a better way. It is because of Christ that you saved us from defeat and death. It's because of your power over death. Because of his death on the cross and his resurrection. So Lord, help us. Give us your courage to share that message. Not just during Christmas, but, but all year long. That we have a Savior. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.